Well, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Welcome to today's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. To all of our listeners in the United States, I welcome you. And to all of our listeners in other countries, I'm honored to have you aboard with us. Welcome everyone to Marriage and Family Clinic. In Southern Virginia, we're coming to you from WGPL 1350, WPCA 1400, and that's on your AM dial and WBXB 100.1 on your FM dial. You can also listen to the live stream at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. And if you would like to hear this or any other broadcast, any other segment of Marriage and Family Clinic, you can find the podcast by searching iTunes or or the iTunes podcast player. Just search The C.D. Hodges, The C.D. Hodges Podcast. You search that there on your smart device or your iPad or whatever, and you'll find Marriage and Family Clinic. Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. We hope to help you identify what makes you tick and ultimately help you repair, grow, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. Well, we're still in the mini-series on teenagers here. And uh, as far as teenagers go in this mini-series, this is another critical series as marriage and family relationships go. And that's because so often a family feels forced to respond to their teenagers. Uh, and that's either one or more teenagers. Uh, a family feels forced to respond to their teenager struggles as the teenager negotiates the pitfalls, the ups and the downs and the difficulties of their teen years. And so often the teenager struggles are compounded because their struggles are accompanied by poor decision making and inappropriate behavior. Uh, among the uh, uh, things that the teen is dealing with, uh, there's personal growth, there's mental, psychological, emotional, and spiritual growth. There are hormone changes, physical growth, everything is going on. And on top of that, uh, they just have poor decision-making that leads so oftentimes to inappropriate behavior. Listen, there is no shortage of parents who have been left scratching their heads, wondering, how in the world do I get through to my child? This is still my child. Moms are saying the one I carried for nine months, the one that I love. And dads are saying something similar. How do I get through to them? Seems like these teen years are driving us all crazy. And so much of how a teen responds to their parents during their teen years is a result of how the parents responded to them during all the previous years of their life, ever since infancy. And I want to make sure you got that. Uh, uh, we, we talk about the teen years, and sometimes teen years are spoken of as this really hostile period of a teen's life. But that just does not have to be. So much of how a teen responds to parents during the teen years is a result of how the parents responded to their teen during all the previous years of the teen's life. And that goes all the way back to infancy. And for this statement to make sense to you, I want to take you back and, and just recall some information uh, that we passed to you on the last two weeks. First of all, don't forget that every person passes through specific stages in life where they're supposed to pick up and learn certain skills that will help them form this sense of resiliency and that I can do it mentality or that I can make it mentality. 
mentality. Everything is going to be all right. We will get through this. Everybody is supposed to pick those skills up, or they're supposed to pick up certain skills at different stages in life that come together to build that particular mentality into you. And if you don't pick those skills up, if you don't pick up that I can do it, that I can make it mentality, if you don't pick up that sense of resiliency, you can easily play the role of the victim in life. Everybody owes me. Nobody understands me. Everybody's doing me wrong. The world is against me. That's only an indicator that that individual, that particular individual didn't pick up all of his or her skills in those critical stages that they should have picked up. I wish I had time to talk about this victim mentality here. Uh, so that's the first thing we want to get to you. You got to pick up certain skills at certain stages. The next thing I want to get to you is learning those skills or not learning those skills and, and uh, what goes on during those formative years, that goes a long way to forming the attitude of a child by the time he or she reaches their teen years. So if you learn those skills, if you learn those skills and you work in those skills, it's gonna go a long way into determining what happens with your attitude during the teen years. If you fail to pick up those skills, if you fail to learn those skills at those critical stages, it's definitely going to go a long way to impacting and determining what kind of an attitude the child is going to have when they reach their teen years. Check this out. Check this out now. And attitude, attitude is important not only to teens, but to any and everybody. Attitude is just important to everybody. And that attitude begins to be formed even during infancy. An attitude is all about your mindset, your disposition, and based on how you see and interpret what happens in your world. That's what attitude is all. Attitude is all about how you interpret the world, the mindset that comes from your interpretation of the world, the mindset that comes from your view of the world. And since this is the case, if a child does not have his or her needs consistently met during their childhood, and if a child in their mind, in their mind, consistently gets the short end of the stick, they consistently experience lots of unfairnesses in life. It would not be surprising if that child develops a negative attitude. So if that's a child experience in life, nothing works for me. I'm always getting a short end of the stick. I'm the butt of jokes. Mom and dad are not there for me. Mom and dad don't validate me. Haven't attended my needs. I, I'm called names in the family, so forth and so on. You understand what I'm saying. Then don't be surprised if that child develops a mentality that views the world in a negative light. Every time something negative happens, they believe that the world is out to get them and they have to get the world before the world gets them. This child is probably going to be pessimistic and usually believe that the worst is going to happen before the best happens to them. They easily believe the worst before believing the best. Whereas if a child has his or her needs met consistently, those needs are met consistently on time. That child has parents who are available. That child has parents who are validating. If that child has boundaries that have been set and consistently enforced throughout childhood, 
if that child has his or her distresses uh, 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 meted out and taken care of in a timely manner, listen, it's not going to be surprising if that child develops a positive attitude. This child, this child will most likely become a person who believes in himself, who believes in others, who trusts himself, who trusts others, who's able to form relationships, etc., etc., etc. Listen, where, where attitude is concerned, this is as simple as it sounds. If you experience negative things in life, if you experience, if you grow as a child experiencing negative things and your needs are not met, you're probably going to develop a negative attitude. On the other hand, if you experience positive things during your childhood as you grow up, if your experiences in life are mostly positive with good relationship with parents and family members and things of that nature, then you're probably going to develop a positive attitude. And all I'm saying to you is that attitude affects and impacts judgment. Attitude affects and impacts decision-making. Attitude affects and impacts outlook, the way we feel, the way we view things, the way we think, the way we talk. Attitude, attitude affects and impacts behavior. And I said all of that just to prop up and, and help us get into why it seems like some teens have these rocky teen years. It's all about their attitude. And attitude impacts and affects behavior. Okay, that's just the bottom line. Our teens will have a tough enough time negotiating the teen years, trying to break away from their parents and form their own identities. But that tough time is going to be compounded when you add a negative attitude. And that's why, the listen, this is why the teen years are so rocky sometimes. Man, they're trying to break away from their parents. They're trying to form their own identities. Up until a child is 10 or 11 or 12 or so, uh, definitely up until they're about 10 or 11, a child is trying to do things to please their parents. Uh, the parents are the child's hero. Uh, 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 they want to, they obey the parents. They're affectionate with the parents. Have you ever noticed that up until the time your child is about 10 or 11 or 12, somewhere right around there, before that time, you would walk through the mall, walk through the grocery store, whatever, and they didn't mind holding your hand? But it's almost like overnight, once they turn 10, 11, or 12, they don't want to hold your hand in public anymore. They don't want to be seen with you in public anymore. Parents are just these old people who are dragging them down. Now, parent, and, and all of this is about a real stage. I remind you, it's about a real stage that your teen is going through. But your teen's attitude is going to make all of the difference. And that attitude is the result of everything that that child has experienced since he came into the world. Attitude. Attitude is where so much of the teen drama comes from. And that definitely includes inappropriate behavior. All of the teen drama comes from attitude. And some parents know what I mean by this because you've tried to tell your teen, you've tried to talk to your teen, you have talked to your teen under the anointing, you have 
prayed. You've taken your team to the altar and seem like they just won't listen. And they still, they still have this certain view of things. They still have this uh, negative attitude, so many of them. So, so, and that negative attitude will oftentimes lead to inappropriate behavior. So not only must parents learn to deal with their teen's attitude, when that attitude leads to inappropriate behavior, the parent is also going to have to figure out how to discipline their teen. Because no matter what's going on with the teen, the teen must still be subject to discipline. And even though the teens are going through a real stage, parents, your teens are going through a real stage. However, parents, you cannot and you must not neglect your responsibility to discipline your teen. However, if there has not been consistent discipline, if there has not been boundaries, if there has not been validation, if there has not been meeting of your teen's needs, if all of this has not gone on in that child's life, you cannot expect that it's going to turn around when they become a teen. You're going to be in for a rude awakening and a rough ride. If you believe that you can let your child just be cute until the time that they're 12 or 13, and then you're going to begin to parent them and train them, you're going to be in for a rough, you're going to be extremely disappointed. You're going to be all kinds of disappointed. I'm telling you that making it through the teen years, I'm telling you it's possible to have a smooth teenage transition into adulthood. I'm telling you that that is very possible. With the help of the Lord, with meeting that child's need throughout their life, it's very possible to have a smooth transition from teenager to adulthood. I've seen it. It's happened in my family. Not every one of our sons. Not every one of our sons. And I've seen it in so many other places. How did you meet their needs growing up? But if you're going to wait until they're a teenager and think that you're going to train them then, in for a rude awakening, you're in for a very rough ride. Your ride, your ride is going to be a whole lot like that cowboy movie when they're trying to break a horse and the cowboy is riding that bronco and he's trying to break that horse. More often than not, the horse wins. More often than not, the horse wins. And if that's your way of parenting a teen, you're going to break him like a bronco. You're going to ride him. You're going to hold on and ride him until he breaks. You're going to be holding on riding for the rest of your life. I want to reiterate something that I said last week also. While we're on this point of discipline, as we get into our discussion on discipline, I want to re reiterate something that I said last week. And that is... For everyone who believes in corporal punishment, if you're still hitting a teenager as a form of discipline, you missed the boat a long time ago. I hope that doesn't offend anyone. I hope that doesn't sound too harsh or too rude or too crude. But if you have to hit a teenager, a teenager is supposed to be able to monitor themselves. You've been disciplining this team for the last 13, 14, 15 years. A teenager is supposed to be able to monitor themselves. 
So if you're still hitting a teenager, you missed the boat a long time ago. Think again. If you're still hitting a teenager as a form of discipline, you really need to call in a third party and get yourself some help. You need some help. Now, I want to take you back to our mini-series on discipline. As we talk about disciplining your teens, I want to take you back to our mini-series on discipline from several months ago. And remember this, the purpose of discipline is to teach, to lead, to guide a child into monitoring themselves. You should have been working with this child for the last 12 years, teaching, leading, and guiding them to monitor themselves and not waiting till year 13. Discipline is about teaching a child to step outside of themselves, to look back at themselves and talk to themselves and say, hey, self, straighten up and fly right. And I'm telling you something, that task begins in infancy and not in the teen years. It cannot begin in the teens. It begins in infancy. And failing to discipline is the same as failing to love. Listen to what the Bible says to us. God disciplines those whom he loves. Discipline is a sign that somebody in the child loves the child enough to hold them accountable for inappropriate behavior because they understand that the child will not serve himself or herself well and certainly will not serve the family well, will not serve the community well, will not serve the society well if they don't learn to be accountable. How many people are standing before judges in courtrooms with legal charges filed against them because they have not been accountable? Well, I was getting ready to say something, but I was just holding my peace. <laughs> Discipline is a sign that God loves us. Discipline is a sign that you love your child. You will not leave your child to raise themselves. You will not leave your child to learn discipline without your hand being heavily involved in the process. So please get that. Parents, you cannot discipline your child. You cannot discipline your child, parents, if you're not disciplined yourself. And see, here's where I want to break on discipline here, because we a lot of people want to know, how do I handle my teen? My teen is going off the rails. My teen is, is just losing his ever-loving mind. How do I handle my teen? Well, the reason your teen is losing their ever-loving mind is because his or her needs have not been met. Something went on. They didn't learn the skill that they should have in the critical touch point of life and needs were not met. And now they're struggling, trying to figure out who they are, break away from you, become their own person. And it, 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 they formed a negative attitude and it's leading to inappropriate behavior. It's driving mom and dad crazy. They want to know what to do. When the truth is, before you can discipline your child, you must be disciplined yourself, mom and dad. What do I mean by that? When your child is a toddler and you say go in timeout for five minutes, but he never gets the timeout and he whines and he whines and he whines and you let him up and he never gets the timeout. It doesn't seem like a problem right then. And you think you are parenting then, but what you're actually doing is that you're sowing seeds that will bring you a certain harvest when that child becomes a teenager. 
If you have raised your child and you have never kept your word regarding discipline, why should that child listen to you when he's 13, 14, 15 years old? He has never listened to you. And he's not going to start when he or she is a teenager. Parents, you must be consistent. Don't be a lying parent. Because your child, and especially your teenager, they will pick up on that and you lose your authority. Parenting works because you have authority. And when you tell your child five minutes in time out and they only do two, you lie. When you tell your child, if you do that, then I'm going to do this. And he does that and you don't do this, you lie. And when you lie, you lose your authority. Inconsistency and lying makes you lose your authority, mom and dad. I cannot stress this enough. Many parents complain uh, 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 that their children don't listen, don't obey, won't do what they say. Children become that way when parents lose their authority. And parents lose their authority through lying and inconsistency. I want that to be plain. So again, this thing starts from infancy. This thing starts, you start talking to that child when the doctor, the nurse, whomever delivers that child, lays that child in the mother's arm who's still on the bed having just delivered that child 25 seconds earlier. And that mom with that child still with birth on him, still with afterbirth on him, then that mom with that child begins to talk to that child and tell that child who he or she is. You know, if I had an audience of teens, I would tell them about the role of parents and the responsibility of teens. I would tell them that they have one job on this earth, that is to obey their parents. I would tell teens, if I had an audience, how important it is to work with their parents so that they can establish their own values and establish the right values that will serve them well, serve the community and society well for the rest of their lives. I would tell teens how they're responsible to respect their parents. I would tell teens how they just do not have a right to disrespect their parents and the homes their parents provide for them while they can't even take care of themselves. I would say those things to teens if I had an audience of teens. But teens are probably not my audience, so I'm talking to moms and dads instead. I'm talking to parents instead. Parents, if you want to positively impact discipline, you're going to have to learn to listen to your teens. I told you, you can't discipline them if you're not disciplined yourself. Parents, are you disciplined enough to grow with your child, to go with your child? Because if you want to positively impact their discipline, you better learn to listen to them. Their experiences are real. It's shaped by their attitude, but it's real. Their experiences are real nonetheless. And they're trying to figure it all out. So don't always tell your teens you don't have any problems. You don't know what a problem was. Well, when I was your age, guess what, folks? You're no longer their age. You're no longer their age. So give them credit for growing just like you had to. 
If you truly listen and your team knows you will listen, your communication is going to be enhanced tremendously. And that's a great part of the difficulty with some teens. They just don't feel heard. This is one part of the difficulty. One part. They don't feel heard. Parents, practice being a good listener more than a good judge. Parents, I want to encourage you to shift from being your teen's totalitarian dictator to becoming your teen's leader and guide. Leader and guide. As I said a few moments ago, the purpose of discipline is to lead and guide your child into putting themselves in check. And you'll never accomplish that trying to rule with a rod of iron. You know, I remember when I was in the Marine Corps, the Corps preached that every Marine is a leader. And the United States Marine Corps stresses leadership from the earliest ranks. And in the, in the Marine Corps, we have what we call 11 leadership principles and 14 leadership traits. Leadership principles such as know yourself and seek self-improvement. Set the example. Know your personnel and other leadership principles. Leadership traits such as justice, integrity, unselfishness, dependability, courage, knowledge, and others. The list goes on. 11 leadership principles, 14 leadership traits. You know what? It works for parenting. It's so critical that parents are disciplined themselves if they expect to be able to lead their teens into a disciplined life. And I never really thought about it before, but just in preparing this presentation, uh, 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 those 11 leadership principles, those 14 leadership traits, they will serve any parent well who wants to know how best to help their teen. Any leadership role that you serve in, these 11 leadership traits and 14 leadership principles will help you. And if you want to know, if you want to know them, just Google them. Marine Corps 14 leadership traits, Marine Corps uh, uh, 11 leadership principles, principles, excuse me, 14 leadership traits. Just Google them. Another thing we learned about leadership in the Marine Corps is that leadership can be boiled down to one word, influence. Again, the purpose of uh, discipline is about leading and guiding your child, your team, into being able to put themselves in check. Hence, you cannot expect to be effective in disciplining your team if you don't have influence over your team. And you gain influence over your team through being the right person for your team. Being the person your team needs you to be. Not the person that your parents were to you, but the person that your team need your team needs you to be for them. That's more important than you realize. And becoming the right person for your team requires that you work diligently on yourself. Work on yourself, mom and dad. If you master those 11 leadership principles and 14 leadership traits, or at least work hard at them, you will understand and accept that there may be a few times when it's necessary to negotiate with your team. Yeah, a few times when it's necessary to negotiate with your team, but you can do it because you've been working on yourself. You will learn and practice helping your child understand and feel his or her uh, 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 inappropriate behavior. Because you've been working on yourself, you can walk your child into understanding and feeling his or her inappropriate behavior. You won't just go off punishing them ignoring their needs. Why? Because you've been working on yourself and you understand that we all have needs. 
And I'm trying to tell you, I think those 11 leadership principles, 14 leadership traits, they're important enough for you to do your own research. Again, just Google them. Marine Corps 11 leadership principles. Marine Corps 14 leadership traits. You'll find them. If you want help with your team, here's somewhere you can go. And if you become those principles and traits, it's going to impact your team. Guaranteed. They're so very much worth your time. The key to disciplining your team is becoming the right person for your team. And when you work these principles and traits into your life, you'll be consistent, you'll be disciplined, you'll be the person your team needs you to be. You'll no longer be a lying parent who lost their authority. You'll no longer be afraid to talk to your team. You'll know how to be the friend your team needs when they need a friend and to be a mom or a dad when they need a mom or a dad. You'll even know how to do things like negotiate in some tough times. You won't see yourself no longer as weak when you negotiate. Put these principles and traits into action because you need to learn what's going on in your team's world. I'm telling you of a truth. They live in a real world with real problems. They deal with real issues. And their poor decisions often turn into inappropriate behavior when dealing with their issues. You need an understanding of that dynamic. And remember what I said last week. Where discipline is concerned, you're not accomplishing anything with all that criticism, rebuking, and draconian responses to every mistake. It does more to reveal your weakness as a parent rather than correct anything going on in your team. As Josh McDowell said, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Parents, if you expect to be effective in disciplining your team, you have to work on yourself first. Hey, listen, I'm all out of time here. Thanks for joining on uh, Marriage and Family Clinic tonight, talking about your teenagers. We're going to be back and talk about this again. But listen, if you want to, uh, need to hear from you, email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Inbox me on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges. I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. Let me know how we're doing. I got to get out of here. But until next week, remember the only way to have peace is to surrender your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out.